The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, have you ever wished that you could walk in another person's shoes for a little while and see the world through their eyes? Well, the invention of the GoPro has made that possible to some extent. Like, look at this video of of somebody snowboarding in the backcountry in Colorado. Now, some of you, as you're watching this, you're going to think, this looks exhilarating. Some of you are thinking, this looks terrifying. Look out for that rock. Okay, good. And, and... Whether you think it looks exhilarating or terrifying, either way, this gives you a pretty good idea of what somebody sees when they are skiing or snowboarding in the backcountry down a mountain chute. And it's not just snowboarders who use these things. It's surfers and mountain bikers and skydivers and all sorts of adrenaline junkies. And, And in each circumstance, it gives you a pretty good idea. But it's not just humans that use these things. It can also be your family pet. Did did you know that there are several companies that make cameras that you can put on your dog's collar and and watch and see? Have you ever wondered what your dog does when you're not at home? Uh, What they're sticking their nose into, what they're eating, where they're sleeping. Well, now you can know with these great cameras for your dogs. But I got to caution you that this may be too much information for some of you. Uh, You may not want to know. Ignorance may be bliss. Well, cameras and GoPros are great for seeing the world through somebody else's eyes, but they only give you some of the perspective. You can see the sights and hear the sounds, but you can't have the tastes and the smells. You can't get the feeling of the wind in your face. You can't get those feelings of elation or fear that you would if you were actually there with them. In order to experience those things, you need to go a step further. You need to walk in that person's shoes. We began our significant series several weeks ago by looking at the first chapter in John's gospel. And and in that chapter, we learned that the eternal God became flesh and lived among us in the person of Jesus Christ. And he got the full human experience. He didn't get the GoPro experience, which you can have from the comfort of your own home. No, he left his home in heaven and he came and he lived among us here. Because of this, he can truly identify with us. He can have significant empathy. Now, empathy is defined as the ability to understand or to share the feelings of another. And Jesus can truly do this with us because he has been truly human. In today's passage, the humanity of Christ is going to be on display in a huge way for us. Uh, We're going to pick up the story as Jesus travels to Bethany upon the death of one of his closest friends. And let's see what he does in his humanity. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can read it, that we can get to know you through it, that we can learn about your heart for us through it. And Lord, we pray that this specific passage would speak into our lives today and from this day forward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are certain people who just are not supposed to cry. As a member of the male gender, this is really something that I have always known, right? I've, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the movie theater hoping that the people next to me would not look at my face and see what a wimp I am when they have those really emotional scenes that are made to make men cry. You know the ones I'm talking about, especially if you're a dad. Man. You're also not supposed to cry on the athletic field. I'll never forget the first time I was hit by a pitch playing Little League Baseball. I was about 10 years old, and I got hit in the arm right there. Now, as far as places to get hit by a baseball, it wasn't all that bad, but it still hurts. It was jarring, and I had to fight off the tears as hard as I could because I knew that if those, my friends in the dugout saw me break into tears, that I would never hear the end of it. We had that mentality that the Tom Hanks character had back in that movie, A League of Their Own, when he said, are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> there are just certain people who are not supposed to cry. And yet here we see Jesus in this passage, the Lord of the universe, the eternal one, the Messiah, and he's crying. He's not supposed to do that, is he? Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. You know, oftentimes many of you will marvel when Roy will come up here and he will recite scripture to you. And, and you just go, wow, how does he remember all that? Well, if you've never started scripture before, here, here's your first passage to memorize. Jesus wept. There you go. Super easy. You got it. You just memorized your first passage. 
Many people have started their scripture memory there. (laughs) But there are reasons to remember this verse that far surpass its brevity. For in this passage, we get to see a window into the heart of God. This very human emotion teaches us something about the divine. And so as we look and explore these circumstances that led to Jesus' tears, we are going to see just how much he can identify with us, the lengths that he went to to do so, and how he is present with us even in our hardest and darkest times. This story begins long before Lazarus had died. You see, Jesus traveled throughout his lifetime, all over the place, and often his travels would take him to the Mount of Olives. And on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives was this town named Bethany. And this town was surrounded by olive groves and sheep pastures, and it was, it was less than two miles from Jerusalem. It's an important little piece of information, so hang on to that. And somewhere during his travels, Jesus met three siblings who lived in this town of Bethany. Their names were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it's very apparent that these, these siblings had a very close relationship with Christ. He even went to their home. And if you've read through Luke's gospel in the New Testament, then you are probably familiar with the story of these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and how Martha, when Christ was in her home, she went crazy. She wanted to make sure all the details were right and that all the food was prepared just right, and she was running back and forth and and working like a madwoman. And then her sister, Mary, was just sitting at Jesus' feet, not lifting a finger, But you'll remember if you've read the story that it was Mary who Jesus commended in that circumstance, saying that she did not the right thing, but she did the better thing, sitting at Jesus' feet and getting to to listen to his every word. Regardless, though, of, of who did the better thing in this story, all three of these siblings had a very close relationship with Christ. He loved them. They loved him. But then one day their lives took a terrible turn. We're not told what sort of illness that Lazarus had, only that he was sick. And it was apparent to everyone that the situation was dire. So the sisters, they sent word to Jesus. They knew that he had the power to heal. And they knew how much he loved their brother. And so they sent word to him. So in the midst of this trial, they were were scared, they were confused, but they also had this hope that the Lord was gonna come and help them. But meanwhile, Jesus was on the other side of the Jordan River with his disciples. He had just narrowly escaped from Jerusalem with his life. There were people there that had just tried to stone him to death because he was claiming to be equal to God. So going back to Bethany, less than two miles from Jerusalem, was very dangerous for Jesus to do. But he decided to go anyway. His disciples, at first they protested. They said, don't do it. But then eventually they all came around and they went with him. They followed him, risking everything to do so. Back in Bethany, Mary and Martha waited. They sat at their brother's bedside each day, caring for him, meeting his needs, as many of you have done for sick relatives in your own lives at some point. They prayed for a miracle but no miracle came. Lazarus grew sicker. His body 
was weaker. He died long before Christ got into town. In fact, as we read, he had been dead for four days before Jesus got there. Can you imagine the questions these sisters were asking? God, why did you let this happen? Lord, why weren't you here? How do we take the next step in our life? Where do we go from here? The raw emotions were so clear when Jesus approached the town. Martha was the first to see him. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You both see her faith and her pain in this statement. And then Mary came and she said the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would have lived. Four days had passed and this grief seemed unbearable. Not only were these sisters mourning, but they, were, they also were accompanied by, by a group of Jews and friends and family. They probably had some of those professional mourners there too that Michael talked about a couple weeks ago. So this was a very, it was a big commotion and it was a disturbing scene. Jesus could have insulated himself from all of this. He could have called the shots from afar and healed Lazarus from afar and then just come for the party afterwards. That would have been a lot more fun. But he didn't. He entered the sorrow. He entered the pain and he wept. He didn't try to act tough like I would have in in that circumstance. He let the tears flow. Jesus was fully human. He took in all of human existence, even the tough stuff. Now, are those who are really uncomfortable with this And they have a hard time seeing a God who is fully God, also being fully human and experiencing real human emotion, facing real temptation, grieving, suffering, and even dying. Some have suggested that his humanity was only an illusion or an appearance. They've gone so far as to say that he never left a footprint and never blinked his eyes creepy. (laughs) But the gospel writers, they tell us something different, don't they? They tell us about a God, Jesus in human form, who experienced hunger and thirst and anger and grief and joy. He faced acclaim and rejection. He was not a ghost or a phantom or a puppet controlled from a safe distance away. He entered our situation in the messiness of all of human existence. Gods aren't supposed to do that. Gods are not supposed to make themselves so vulnerable. But that is how the one true God operates. Jesus made himself fully present to those that he created. And today's story makes that so clear. He looked into the eyes of Mary and Martha and he felt their pain along with them. He stood beside them near the tomb of their brother and he wept. And you know what? God is fully present with you and I today too. Not as one who is far off and distant, but as one who totally understands what it means to be a human and to suffer and to go through hardships and to feel joy and to feel every emotion that we have. If you're going through a hard time today, I want you to know that God is present with you. He understands. He's walked in our shoes. 
He's been through hardship himself, the pain of rejection, the pain of loss. He offers you in the midst of your struggle, he offers you his love, his comfort, and his peace. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, you didn't finish the story. The, the story, it continues. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. This story has a happy ending. And you're right, Jesus does raise Lazarus. It reminds me of one of my favorite birthday cards I've ever gotten. It was a card that's on the front. It has an old guy with a beard and a robe jumping up and down saying, I was dead, I was dead. And then you open it up and it says, unlike Lazarus, I don't have a good excuse for missing your birthday. <laughs> Jesus does raise Lazarus from the dead. But if we gloss over those four days in between his death and the miracle, then we miss out on so much of what was happening in this story. Earlier, I mentioned that Jesus' tears give us this window into the heart of God. It shows us how much he cares about us, that he would come and live and, and be fully human with us. But his tears also show us something else. They show us how God feels about death. You see, before he even arrived on the scene, Jesus knew that he was going to heal Lazarus, that he was going to raise him from the dead. He says so before he gets to Bethany. And so knowing that, he wasn't crying because he wouldn't see Lazarus on this earth again. He was crying, looking around at the scene, and he was crying about death itself, the pain it causes, the separation it causes, the hurt that it causes. This was not what God had in mind when he created human beings. He created us for eternity. He created us for relationship with him. And this is why not long after he healed Lazarus and raised him from the dead, this is why he went to the cross for us so that he could pay the price for every wrong that we have ever done so that we could also be resurrected and have a day where we will no longer be subject to the pain and the hurt and the loss of death. You remember what he said to Martha when Martha met him on the road? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though they die, will live. That's our hope. And so in the knowledge of that hope and in the knowledge of having this God who walks with us through every moment of our lives, the good times and the bad, he invites us then to follow his lead and to be somebody who is present and loving in the lives of others, to be people who have a ministry of significant empathy ourselves. What does that look like? Well, here's one way that we can get there. I, I once took a group of students on a <clears throat> mission trip to San Francisco, and we spent a week working with the hurting and the homeless and the hungry. And one of the days that we were there early in the, in the week, our hosts wanted us to get a, a feel for what it was like to be one of the people that we would be serving on the trip. And so they warned the adults, but they didn't warn the high school students who were with us. They came in and at 5 a.m. they woke us up and they said, you're going to be homeless for the day. And if you were homeless, somebody might wake you up early in the morning and tell you you can't sleep where you're sleeping anymore. So get up right now. Don't take anything with you. <laughs> 
They gave us enough money for a, a bus pass, but that was it. And they sent us out and they said, you got to figure out a way to eat today. You need to go and figure out what sort of resources are available to the homeless community. And then you need to just spend your day living as a homeless person. And so they, we got into small groups and we headed out. We started walking. We ended up finding a soup kitchen that was serving breakfast and we got all excited, but we got there too late. The doors were closed. So our stomachs started rumbling. We found out that there was another place way across town that we could also go to to get food, but they wouldn't serve for like two hours. And so we went, we walked over there, we waited, we got in. They had a church service. The pastor preached way too long. And, and, then, and then they didn't feed us till after that. So we, got, we finally got to eat. It was around lunchtime. We finally got to eat. We spent the day walking. I never realized uh, how much walking you can do going from place to place trying to find everything we needed to find. But we eventually got so tired that we just needed to rest. And so we found a square in, in town and we just, we just sat. We sat there for about 15 minutes and, and some police officers showed up and they said, what are you guys doing? We explained to them that we were homeless for the day and, he, and we're here serving people and said, oh, that's, that's really great. Uh, they said, if you, if you had been homeless, we would have asked you to get up and leave. So I looked at the students and I said, you know, they weren't very happy with me. And I, I said, uh, you know what? We're supposed to live as a homeless person today. So even though these guys would let us stay, we need to get up and move. Man, f there were so many things that we take for granted, finding water, finding a restroom, uh, that, that were so hard for us during this day. Now, it's really easy for us to look at a homeless person today and to come to all sorts of conclusions without knowing anything about them. This experience of being homeless helped us to learn to have empathy for the people that we saw. It made it much easier to have compassion, and it really set us up to minister to, to the people that we saw. Now, there are always limits to, in our ability to empathize. We only spent a day. We didn't even spend a night being homeless. So our ability to truly understand what it's like to be homeless for years it was pretty limited. And we're not going to be able to, to literally walk in everybody's shoes. But you know what we can do? We can seek to get to know people, understand their needs, their hopes, their fears, not passing judgment on people, but actually seeking to see things through their eyes. It's not just homeless people who need our empathy. It's the person who shares our home with us. It's the person across the street. It's the person we see in the grocery store, the man that delivers the mail. There are so many people in our lives who could use a ministry of empathy. Who could use that from you today? When we begin to understand the humanity of Christ and how much he gave up in order to be with us, in order to walk in our shoes, then I believe that we will be motivated to live our lives like him. It is astonishing what Christ did in order to live here on this planet, to be present with us in the good times and the bad, to not run away from difficult things, but to embrace them. How could our ministry in this world be different if we were bold enough to live like him? I invite you to pray with me. Lord, you are a God of significant empathy. We, we will never 
understand the depths of your love and how, how, great, how great your love is for us. We praise you and we thank you for coming and living among us. And Lord, I pray that each and every person here today would be aware that you are with them, that your comfort and your peace and your joy and your love are available to every single one of us today, that you understand so we can go to you with the hurts of this world, with the joys of this life, because you know what that's like. And then, Lord, help us to follow your lead, to be a type of people who would seek to love others, to be empathetic, to try to see the world through their eyes so that we can best serve them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.